everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anna Howington. And I'm Kim Yellen. You're listening to Peculiar Stories and Far Out Tales. Let's just jump right in, yeah? Cool. Yep, let's go for it. So I'm going to start today, and this is a story of ancient secrets, a modern marvel, and unrequited love. Ooh, my favorite things, my three favorite things. <laughs> unrequited love? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's not as much fun <laughs> as the other ones. That's kind of a bummer, right? Yeah. This is a story of Florida's Coral Castle. Oh, I don't know anything about this. So 30 miles south of Miami in Homestead, Florida, is a castle made of megalithic stones that has baffled engineers and scholars for years. It consists of thousands of tons of limestone in the form of walls, carvings, furniture, and a castle tower. Wow. The man who built the castle was said to have used no modern tools or machinery. So it's made out of these huge, huge stones, and nobody has any idea how he put them together. Whoa. The stones themselves are fastened without mortar, and they're set on top of each other using their weight to keep them together. So they're just like balanced on each other. Oh, wow. It's crazy. Uh, oh. So let's talk a little bit about this guy. His name was Ed Leedskalnen, and he was born in Latvia in 1885. When he was 26, he met a 16-year-old girl named Agnes Scuffs and fell madly in love. Oh, Agnes. Oh. Yeah, Agnes. Yeah. Which, I guess it was a different time, but, like, you don't really know what you want when you're 16. No. Apparently, Agnes didn't either. <laughs> because the <laughs> night before their wedding, she jilted Ed. <gasps> and this was in 1912. She was like, thanks, oh. but no thanks. I'm going to finish high school. Yeah. <laughs> I got whatever, other things to do. Yeah. Whatever she wanted to do. Um, Ed was heartbroken and he moved to Florida. Um, Where were they? They weren't in Florida? No, they were in Latvia. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I mean, why not? You know, Florida's sunny and warm. Right. That's a good, like, if you're running away from your problems, you might as well run to, run to Florida. Totally. I've gone to Florida when I was sad, and you know what? I felt better. Good. Yeah. You lay on the beach a bit, go to Disney yeah. World. I think you're... Yeah, I didn't go to Disney World. Do you like Disney World? Are you one of those people that loves Disney World? No. And I've never <laughs> been to any... I've been to Tokyo Disney, and I oh. was like, what is... I don't, even there, I was like, okay, yeah. Like, it just... I don't know. I'm not a big Disney person, but I mean, everyone's got their thing, right? I guess so. It just seems like a lot of lines. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, not too, my thing. Too much standing in line. <clears throat> yeah. So he moved to Florida and he started working on this coral castle. And for the next 28 years, he worked on this castle. And he only worked at night, refusing to let anyone see him while he worked. Uh, the thing about it is, is he wasn't like this, like, towering big guy, like, moving these huge stones. This guy was barely five feet tall. <laughs> did he have construction? No. Did, like, did he know... <sighs> Wow. He did it all himself. He only worked under the cover of night from like 12 to 6 a.m. And he was like 100 pounds. He was like this <laughs> tiny guy. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. He got all of his stones from nearby quarries right beside his property. And all of his tools were scavenged from a junkyard. And like there's these old pictures of him. And the only thing it shows is this wood tripod with chains and then this mysterious black box on top of the tripod. Oh, it wasn't like a 
like it looked like like survey equipment. Like that's what it kind of sounds like. Well, I mean, yeah, but like a really huge one. Like it was oh. a really large tripod, but it was just made of wood. And these these stones were like, you know, tons. Like they weighed tons. They weighed like you know sixty tons a piece. They were huge. Wow. And I guess people believe that this black box. Nobody's ever figured out what it was, but uh, they think maybe that's like. It had some kind of like supernatural powers or something. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. When anyone would ask him why he was building the castle, he would just say he was building it for his sweet 16, which mm. was the nickname that he gave Agnes. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Look, it was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of creepy to think about now, but I guess I, know. I mean, I guess it's OK. I mean, 10 years doesn't seem like that big of a difference no. when you're in your like 30s. Right. If it was 26 and 36, I feel like it wouldn't be as yeah. big of a deal. It's just no. a, like, I don't know. I always think people getting married young. I'm like, oh, God. Ugh. 16. Yeah. yeah. Super young. Yeah. He was pretty torn up about it. Yeah, um, it sounds like it. He dedicated his life to building this castle for her. The only people who claim to ever have seen him working were a group of teenagers, and they reported that he caused the blocks to float like hydrogen balloons. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now, I don't know, because it was just a bunch of kids that said right. that. <laughs> that doesn't sound like something teenagers would make up at all. That sounds... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess it was like a group of them, though. Well, I bet that there was a ringleader. Probably. And he was like, guys, got this, this great idea. And Ed had this, like, lookout. So if anybody tried to catch him working, he would stand up on this lookout and just cross his arms and say, I'll, I'll start working again once you're gone. Oh, yeah. He sounds like a fun, fun guy. I bet he'd oh. be great to like go get a beer with and stuff, right? I, I don't know. He was kind of a crank. Yeah. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a curmudgeon. Yeah. And he apparently had like really strong opinions about things. And he would print up these pamphlets and they would be all about like chastise young people for running off together. Getting on his lawn. No, yeah. like it was, I only saw this from one source, so I didn't include it, but it said something like he would like hand out these pamphlets about how like young people were running around e with each other and like being promiscuous and how oh, that was bad. <laughs> oh, that type of running that around together. Of, yeah, okay. Yeah. Not like causing mischief, like no, no, making no. babies. Like getting it on. Yeah, mm. he was not having that. Not having it. Got it. Okay. Um, I, I think that probably, you know, there was, there's a history there. So, <laughs> um, but the stones that, that he used to build this huge castle, they were made of what's called olite limestone, which is a very brittle rock. And you could like tap this rock, this type of rock, and it'll just crumble. But yet somehow he was able to move these large stones and fasten them together and not have them crumble or break during the construction. It's called the Coral Castle? Mm -hmm. It's called the Coral Castle. I thought it would be made of coral, which coral is kind of light. Yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe that's how he kind of... But they're huge. Well, limestone. I mean, that's not light. I don't, yeah. I don't think that that's a light thing. It's, uh, it's like this porous kind of limestone, and it looks like coral. And so I think that's mm. why they call it the coral. Oh, castle. okay. But it is it is a lighter type of rock, but they're just like I mean, these rocks are bigger than the rocks at Stonehenge. Oh wow. Oh, okay. They're enormous. And nobody ever saw him moving them? Ever? Nobody ever saw him Ugh. moving them. Now there was one guy who was his friend who claimed that he knew how he did it. 
-hmm. But the way that he told everyone that he like leveraged these rocks, it could never be proven that that's how he did it. Just they really haven't been able to truly figure it out. Ed claimed to be able to lift and construct the stone castle using ancient techniques that were the same techniques that they used to build the pyramids. So he said that he had this knowledge, this ancient knowledge to be able to do this. Uh, and it was a secret. Slave labor. I think that's how they built the pyramids. Yeah. Like a bunch of people. I mean, it, it wasn't just one person no. building the pyramids. No, like. I think there is some mystery as to how they did build them. Mm hmm. And however they did it, Ed claimed that he knew and he did it on his own. Yeah. He he explained it as like using the Earth's magnetic forces to make these megalithic stones as light as a feather. So he said that the Earth's gravity was really like a magnet and that if you're able to manipulate that gravity with another magnet, you can lift these rocks. Oh, hmm. But exactly how that's done, it's never really explained. Yeah. I hear there's a direct line of uh, communication between Egypt and, was it Latvia? Oh, really? No, I'm no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he would know the ancient Egyptians. He said he figured it out. I don't know. Oh, so it wasn't like they wrote it down and he knew. He just figured out how they yeah, did it. Oh, I guess so. Goodness. But it's crazy because like there's this. okay, so like, for instance, there's this like nine ton, eight foot tall gate. And that's what he originally named the structure after. He named it Rock Gate after this gate. Mm -hmm. And it's this swinging gate that's carved so that it fits within a quarter inch of the walls. And it's so well balanced that a child can open it with just like the push of a finger. Wow. So, I mean... There's kind of the element of these rocks being really heavy, but it all, I mean, it was really precise too, the things that he was yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And he did it all on his own. And he didn't have any like machinery. Like he, and he was like a poor guy. Like he didn't have like a ton of money to like spend on construction crews or anything like that. Like this guy wasn't wealthy. And the mystery of the gate's perfectly balanced axis and the ease of which it opened, that lasted for decades until it actually stopped working in 1986. And in order to remove it, it took six men and a crane. Wow. Huh. So to like undo what he did by himself in Mm -hmm. the, what, the 1920s? Yeah. Wow. Six men and a crane. And it was like perfectly balanced on this, I guess what's called like a truck bearing. Mm. So uh, while he was building this, he uh, and he continued to build it all the way until the end of his life. But he would charge visitors 25 cents to enter the Coral Castle. But it does say that if you didn't have any money, he'd still let you in. (laughs) Oh, what a nice guy. Yeah, he did that. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't like a total recluse either. Like he had friends in the community, but it was just he kept the secret of how he did it. Mm. If you if you wanted to go and see the Coral Castle, you had to go to the gate and there was a bell there and you had to ring the bell twice and he would come out and give you a tour. But if you only rang the bell once or you rang it three times, he would not come out. Oh. Yeah, very specific. There's instructions at the front of the gate that says ring oh. this bell twice. <laughs> so you just have to read. It's not like you have to know somebody. No, no. You just you have, have to be read. able to read. Okay. And follow instructions. Got okay. I wouldn't yeah. want anybody that can't read in my house either. Be like, <laughs> no, you need to you need to know the difference between one and two in order to get into my house. Oh, really? I wow. feel like that's a good I feel like that's a good standard. Huh. I mean, what if somebody didn't have the opportunity to learn to read? That's true. Or like my nieces and nephews. 
Yeah, what about children? Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'm being too, I'm being a curmudgeon now. Oh, well. High standards of Kim here. I'll lower my standards a little bit. I'll look into it. I'll sit down with my board and we'll discuss it. <laughs> and we'll figure out a change to the policy. <laughs> when Ebb became ill in November of 1951, he just put a sign on the front of the gate that said, going to hospital. Okay. And he rode his bike to the bus station and took a bus to Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami. And a few days later, he died at the age of 64. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that, that was it? That was it. Wow. And he took his secrets with him to the grave. Wow. And you can still go and visit Coral Castle today. I imagine it's not a quarter anymore. I bet it's more <laughs> than that. Super cool. Yeah, Florida's Coral Castle. I had no idea. I've never heard about this either. And then I was watching this. My favorite TV show is called um, Ancient Aliens. Do you oh, ever watch yeah. That? Yes. I've never seen it. I've, I've heard of it before, though. Oh, I love that show. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Uh, they had like a short like little bit about this on an episode. And um, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Anyway, if you're ever in Homestead, Florida, go visit the <laughs> Coral Castle. You said it was by Miami? It's south of Miami? About 30 miles south of Miami okay. is, is where it's at. Cool. Well, we picked very similar things. Oh, wow. When you started talking, I was like, oh my gosh, is she doing my thing? I'm doing a house too, <laughs> oh, but cool. it's on the West Coast. Okay. So I'm doing the Winchester Mystery House <gasps> in San Jose, California. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah. I think. Oh, tell, tell me more. Tell me more. So a direct quote from the California Tourism Board, historical landmark, Built by Sarah Winchester, widow of rifle manufacturer William Winchester, this unique structure includes many outstanding elements of Victorian architecture and fine craftsmanship. Construction began in 1884 and continued without interruption until Mrs. Winchester's death in 1922. Wow. The continual build and remodeling created a 160-room house covering an area of six acres. This property is listed on the National Registry of Historic Places, and that's all it says. But there's so much more to it than that. (laughs) So Sarah Winchester was this like socialite Mm -hmm. in Connecticut. She was born in 1839, and she married uh, William Winchester, who was the only son of Oliver Winchester, who was the owner of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Which the Winchester rifle was like called the gun that won the West. Okay. Apparently you could shoot a bullet every three seconds, which was a big deal. I don't I don't know a lot about rifles, but I think you have to you have to cock them. So maybe that's what takes a long time. Hmm. So it like had this new technology in it. It helped the North win the Revolutionary War. So it was a big deal, this Winchester repeating arms company. So she married the only son of the man who started that company. They got married in 1862 and they only had one daughter. Um, her name was Annie Purdy, and she was only alive for for five and a half weeks. And then she Aww. died of, yeah, and then she died of, it's called Merasmus, which I asked, my sister's a nurse, and I asked her what that was, and she hadn't even heard of it. So I guess it's kind of an older thing. So it, it apparently is a malnutrition issue, like the body can't absorb nutrition. And so the the child kind of wastes away as if they weren't eating. Oh, that must have been heartbreaking to just watch your little baby, like just, oh, how sad. Right, and then to not know what's going on either. Like, I think, I mean, in the 1860s, I mean, I'm sure they were just like, aren't you feeding your kid? Like, why is this happening? Like, Mm. yeah, so, so like I said, she was five and a half weeks old when she died. And that kind of started her spiral into depression. Um, And then in 1880, her father-in-law died, the owner of the Winchester Company. 
And three months after that, her husband died of tuberculosis in 1881. So she was left as kind of the sole heir to the Winchester fortune. So she inherited $20 million, which is equivalent to... Five hundred and nineteen million dollars. Wow. And in addition, this is the part that gets me. In addition to that, she owned 50 percent of the company. And so she made on top of the like kind of lump sum inheritance. She made a thousand dollars a day, which is equivalent to almost twenty six thousand dollars a day today. Whoa. Right. So she didn't even. And at this point in time, she's like just totally distraught and heartbroken and like. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she does something a little crazy, I'm guessing. Right. So she, as I think as rich people are want to do, instead of just like talking it through, I guess she, yeah, she went a bit crazy. Can you imagine making $26,000 a day? A day? No. I, oh. oh my God. <laughs> I would, uh, I wouldn't even know what to do. Of course not. I'd be like, uh, what do I do now? Like, I, it, yeah. So with that, so she um, ended up going to a medium in Massachusetts. Oh God. <laughs> and the medium told her, that the reason that her family was dying, the reason she was kind of in this state was because she was haunted. She was cursed by the ghosts of of all the people that were killed by this Winchester rifle. Well, look, that's not fair because she didn't make the rifle. She didn't market the rifle. Like, right. Why is this her fault? Well, I think she was just like the last survivor, I guess. Like everyone else was dead. So who are the ghosts going to blame? They might as well blame the daughter-in-law of the man that invented this. I guess she was the only one that's left. I think that ghosts are more can, reasonable than are that. Are more reasonable than that. <laughs> they have maybe. Yeah. They have critical thinking skills. Yeah, you would think that. So anyway, she decided that she was going to move west. There was one source that said that the medium told her to move west. And then there was another one that she just had family out there. It says she has a niece out on the west coast. So she moved out there. And then in 1886, she purchased this house. It was called the Yaneda Villa, which means flat in Spanish. And that would become the Winchester Mystery House. So the other thing that the ghost told her or that the medium told her is that she needed to continuously build this house. There needed to be continuous construction going on, either because she wanted to like confuse the ghost and kind of trick them into like get lost, or she could have been hiding from the ghosts. I love that we both did stories about someone who had tragedy strike and then went crazy and continued to build something for the rest of their lives to try to like right yeah somehow make peace with it <laughs> yeah it's a similar kind of kind of trope i guess that wow yeah, yeah so she she started this construction and construction continued for the rest of her life and i i'm sure you've heard kind of the the ins and outs of the house. No. So it had roughly 161 rooms, which the tourism website said 160. So there is a lot of like, you're supposedly not able to accurately count the rooms. Can you visit this? Yeah, yeah. They have a website. They just added axe throwing, apparently. Hmm. Yeah, you can you can visit it. You can go on tours. They were advertising it's unhinged. The immersive <laughs> walkthrough horror experience this Halloween. Oh, wow. So... I wish we would have could have known about that. Then we yeah, would have gone. Totally. So supposedly 160, uh, roughly, uh, 40 bedrooms, two bathrooms, or two ballrooms, excuse me. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. No, the bathrooms, though, we're going to get to the bathrooms. The bathrooms, I think there were nine, and only one of them worked. Like, <laughs> only her bathroom. 
apparently she didn't want people to use her bathroom or she didn't want people to use the bathroom there. They were just for decoration. Right. One of the pictures of, I don't know if it was the usable bathroom or not, but one of the bathrooms had like a window on the door because she was very concerned about needing help. So like her nurses and her, her butlers and stuff could look in on her in the bathroom. Why not just like, Put a bell in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> so within this house, there were things that were like, she was the first one to do them. And one of them was a servant call center. I mean, I, it wasn't like a walkie talkie. It was kind of on strings. She could push a button and her servants would know where she was. Can you imagine working in that house, like getting to it on your first day and you're just like, oh, okay, so great. So where's the kitchen? Right. And she's like, good luck. Funny story <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't talk about how much the servants make, but apparently the um, construction workers were making $3 a day, which was double what the normal going rate was. So they were pretty happy. She was the one that was coming up with these architecture plans. Like she'd have these seances every night and talk to the ghosts. And boy, that medium made a killing, didn't she? I think it was a he, actually, which I thought was kind of, I don't know, you always think of them as women, but... Um, yeah, the ghosts would give her the next floor plans and then she would give them to which when she first started, I think she had an actual architect and then she just got rid of him because she was like, the spirits are telling me what to do. I got this. I don't need you. The architect's like, hey, lady, look, this is crazy. Yeah, we can't we can't put another room on this thing. And she's like, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, maybe we don't need a second ballroom. But so the construction workers, I mean, if you give people enough money, I think they'll kind of do whatever you want them to. So they they were happy with that. Yeah. We'll build anything you want. <laughs> sure, lady. Want another fake bathroom? You got it. <laughs> let me let me get right on that. Um, so, yeah. So there were two bedrooms as well as 47 fireplaces and then 17 chimneys. Which Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't every fireplace need a chimney? Maybe I don't. I don't. I'm not from a cold climate, so I don't or a big house. But I guess a chimney can can well, service to like fire? if there's like if they're directly underneath each other, like if it's like a two story oh, house and you have like, oh, yeah, you're right. Or back to back. I've seen that before. Yeah. Did that count as back to back. Yeah. OK, that makes sense. But even then, it seems like an excessive amount of fireplaces for not enough chimneys. It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So it had two basements, three elevators over 10,000 panes of glass. It had six kitchens and there were 467 doorways. But of all of that, there were only two mirrors in the whole place because wow. ghosts like mirrors, apparently. And so you want to keep the ghosts out. So they were saying that um, the servants would like sneak in little hand mirrors so they could oh, look at themselves. But Now, did uh, were all of these rooms furnished? Yeah, when she did die, all of her possessions were were given to her niece, and it took her. So she just she was like, "What am I going to do with all of this crap?" So she decided to sell it in private auctions, and it reportedly took six trucks working eight hours a day for six weeks to remove all of the furniture. Oh my gosh, there was a lot of stuff in this house for sure. Um, there was also there was a huge uh three hundred and seventy four thousand dollar Tiffany window that Tiffany designed himself, and it was put in. And then there was a wall print behind it. Like, so you couldn't see it. So like you can only see it from the outside and it kind of loses its effect. So there were some kind of weird, that's kind of, of the weird things, that's kind of the most tame. Look, this whole thing is bonkers. <laughs> I have a Tiffany window. Like my, my grandfather did stained glass, God rest him. Like there has to be light coming through it. Otherwise it's kind of like, oh, well that's. Defeats the purpose, right? Right. So of the weird stuff, 
the risers of the stairs were really, really short. So like it would take these huge amounts of space to go up just like three feet because like they were only like an inch high, which everyone was like, oh, that's to confuse the ghost. But apparently she had really bad arthritis. So Mm. there were doors that led to nowhere. And then there were doors that you would open them and it would just be a sheer drop like to the outside. (gasps) There were stairs that went up and then right down again or down and then right up again. Stairs that led to nowhere. There were really shallow cabinets that were only two inches deep. In her seance room, there was a door that when you opened it, it just led onto the sink in the kitchen below it. So these levels have got to be all kind of screwed up too, right? Right. So it was, it started out originally as a seven story building, but then the 1906 earthquake struck. It apparently knocked down three of the floors. So now it's only a four story building. And then it also caused so much damage that she just decided to seal off 30 of the front rooms. So she just didn't repair them. She just sealed them off um, and then also sealed off this front door, this huge ornate front door that supposedly only her and the people that had hung it had walked through it. Wow. So did she have a lot of guests or was it just her? Her niece lived there for quite a while until she got married. Her niece got married at some point and then left. But she was like her favorite niece. Mm -hmm. She always wore black. And she always wore a veil. And her niece and her butler were the only ones that were allowed to see her without this veil. Wow. So, I mean, it sounds like she maybe wasn't the most friendly of people, but she was like they were talking about that suddenly when she'd like come to an area, a bunch of charities would get a lot of money. And so she seemed like she was pretty giving, but maybe just not super like friendly. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like she just like like after those tragedies, she just kind of like went off the deep end. Right, right. And then just decided to listen to this one one medium who told her to just keep building. Hmm. So in 1922, Sarah Winchester passed away. It was supposedly during a a lull in construction. Um, And then construction stopped right away. And so they kind of just like dropped their tools and left the house. So the house was inherited by her niece. And then her niece decided to sell it all off. She apparently sold it for just under $20,000, which the house at that point had had $5.5 million of construction. Oh, my God. Put into it. And so she only sold it for for between $150,000 and $200,000. And she sold it to John and Mamie Brown. And they originally bought it. They originally bought it with plans to uh, make kind of a theme park. They had one of the first designs for a roller coaster. Um, but due to local restrictions, uh, that that never worked out. But just like with yours, the public started kind of visiting it, and they started to see that they could make a living off of that. I feel like if you were gonna start a theme park and you bought a house, <laughs> right, right, you would check the local zoning laws, right, before you would think <laughs> before you're like, let me make this huge investment. <laughs> And then check later. Maybe they just thought it was such a good, like, a good investment, like, that it was kind of too good to be true and, like, went for it. Because it was a lot of property. It was, I think it was six acres. So, yeah, Mm. I guess it was a lot of property. Then they started doing public tours. Um, They were personally led by Mammy and John. Um, They started calling it Winchester Park. Um, In 1924, 
Uh, Harry Houdini visited the mansion on Halloween night, seeking to debunk the paranormal stories. He leaves with more questions than answered. This is from the tourist website. <laughs> and is, is um, the first to supposedly refer to it as the mystery house. Apparently, uh. Harry Houdini did not like it. Um, and then throughout kind of the 40s and 50s, people started to visit it more. It was made a landmark in 1954. It's a tourist attraction. There's a cafe and a store and there was a wax museum, but they took down the wax museum. They decided they didn't want that. Wax museums are creepy. So, so creepy. Very, very odd. But yeah. So, and, and like I said, they just added axe throwing. You can have your event there. You could get married there. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a lovely wedding. You get married and then you get lost. <laughs> right. It sounds a bit crazy. I don't know. I guess every, yeah. everyone has their different things. Yeah. Like I said before, I lived in San Francisco, but I never, I don't know why I didn't like go to San Jose more often, but mm. um, I was talking to my dad about this and my dad apparently went to the mystery house in like the seventies, but yeah, I've never been there before. So maybe next time I go to San Francisco a lot. So next time maybe I'll head down the coast a bit. So. I'm going to go next time I'm there too. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's so crazy. I, I think we had a theme today and we weren't even trying to. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I guess we, cause we text our sisters. There's kind of a group chat with all the yeah. sisters. Yeah. And like none of them said anything to me like, oh, and I chose a similar thing. They were just like, yeah, it's great. Go for it. So. Yeah. Well, I don't think they looked into exactly what we were doing. They just saw that it was a different, different words. Yeah. Different, yeah. different that's words. Probably. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. You want to do our rundown? Sure. Yeah, sure. Why don't you go first? Um, so, yes. So we've been having a lot of rain. We're having a, a cold front kind of moving through. And so we've been having a lot of rain. And so I decided to go like on the treadmill. And I normally hate treadmill. Like I don't like to run on mm, treadmills. Yeah, me too. I also like I, I work at the gym. And so I feel like it's too much. Like people come and talk to me or like. Oh, yeah. This one time, I really recently, I was doing Zumba and a cop pulled me out of the class to look at some security camera footage. And so it's it's just I'm, I'm never really like off the clock, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I, I tend to not like that. But I was like, oh, I guess I'll I guess I'll just do it. And it was really nice, actually. Like it was different. Like it kind of felt like I was like running in a new place. Like, you know, that kind of like mm -hmm, excitement mm -hmm. you get when you like find a new trail. Like it was kind of that same feeling. But it was like I just had my my phone out and was watching watching a TV show. And nice. It was unexpectedly nice. And you got your run in, you know, like, right. You didn't give in to that. Oh, I just it's raining. I just won't run. Right. Yeah. Like I I was like, no, I, I really you, you know, when you get in those moods where you're like, totally. I, just, I really just need to do this right now. Yeah. I might run on a treadmill today, too, but get it. We'll have to see. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was my great my run of the day, I guess. Run of the week. I guess it was two days ago. I've been running this new trail and I, I love to trail run. It's my favorite. Mm hmm. I don't love running on a treadmill and I don't love running through neighborhoods because I'm always scared of cars, which yeah. I guess is kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I like the, around where I'm at, there's no sidewalks. So you kind of have to like run on the street. Mm -hmm. It just makes me nervous. Yeah. That, that is a good thing to be concerned yeah. about, I think. <laughs> so I, I do these trail runs and I did a new trail recently and there was just this really nasty hill on it. I, I just decided I was going to run up it no matter what. I wasn't going to stop. And usually if when there's a hill that steep, I'll walk part of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't. I Yay. ran the whole hill. And wow. um, 
it, it really, I was really proud of myself. Yeah, you should be. Because <laughs> it was, it was a long, nasty hill. And um, I got up it. I got to the top. And uh, that felt really good. good. Felt really good to run a hill. Good. Um, yeah. So that's, that's cool. my, that's my run of the week. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's it for today, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, you want to plug our Instagram and um, our website? It's at peculiarstoriesandfaroutales.com. And our Instagram is at peculiarstoriesandfaroutales. They're the same. Yep. <laughs> Just and look us up. You can find us. You'll find us. And then uh, the email address is info at peculiarstoriesandfaroutales.com. And um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash P-S-A-F-O-T. So patreon.com slash P-S-A-F-O-T. Please listen, subscribe, and rate. Yep. Help (laughs) us out. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.